Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In question two of the first part of the Summa Theologia, Thomas Aquinas is concerned with the issue of whether we can demonstrate God's existence. And really the whole project of doing any sort of theology or philosophical theology, which is what the the Summa in large part is, requires that we do have a divine object to talk about at all. So if we can't in some way demonstrate that God exists, then the entire project would have a lot of trouble. And in question two, article two, he is in fact considering some of the challenges that are brought to the fore, not about whether God exists or not, but about whether the human rational mind would be able to, in some way, demonstrate using its its capacities of reason that God exists. He's still holding out the possibility, of course, that you could grasp that God exists in some other ways. But the question is whether we can use our faculty of reason to show that there must be a God. And he considers three main challenges. The first one, I think, is very familiar to anybody who has engaged in discussion about the existence of God in the present, because there are still people today saying things like this. And not only in Christianity, which is, of course, Thomas Aquinas's religion, but in, in any of the other world religions as well. They say you cannot prove that God exists. You have to take that as a matter of faith, or as Thomas is calling it here, an article of faith, something that you believe in and you don't try to prove, because if you did, then you'd be in some way blasphemous or sacrilegious or usurping some sort of divine capacity, doing something that you shouldn't. So it reads like this. That God exists cannot be made self-evident. For that God exists is an article of faith, something a believer is simply supposed to take on faith. And since, as St. Paul says, faith is concerned with the unseen, its propositions cannot be demonstrated. Notice that he isn't saying that faith is just a feeling or something like that. He's saying faith is a set of propositions, but... If you buy into them because somebody has argued your way to them, then it's not really faith. Then it's something like rational knowledge or natural knowledge, as he's going to call it here. So he says it's therefore impossible to demonstrate that God exists. And there were plenty of people in Thomas's own time who had very similar views on this. You philosophers, you theologians, you need to stop with all of this, you know, argument and demonstration. Just believe that God exists. And we're going to come back to that in just a moment. Now, another possibility for attacking this very possibility that God's existence can be demonstrated has to do with somewhat more technical issues. Thomas says, here's an objection a person could make. Demonstration requires that you use some sort of definition. That is, you say what something is, 
what it's not. You know, you have a very clear conception of it. And that functions in argumentation as what joins things together, right? So very often as the middle term in an argument, he says the medium demonstrationis est quod quid est, right? And so the central link of demonstration, quod quid est, the definition of it, the, what the thing is in itself, a verbal formula or mental formula for that. Now, do we have the capacity to say precisely what God is? He says, non possumuscire quid est, right? We cannot know what God is, said solum quid non est, but only what God is not. This is doing what we call negative theology. And he quotes John Damascene, a church father in this. So if we can't actually say what God is, then we're not going to be able to have some sort of rational argument about that. Even if God does exist, we're not going to be able to prove it. The third thing that he says is saying, well, listen, even if you do have some sort of capacity to argue it, it's never going to get off the ground. Why not? Because we think that God is infinite and anything that we're going to use to argue God's existence is not going to be infinite. So if, if God is the cause and we're looking at effects and trying to trace our way backwards from the effects to the cause, which is indeed what Thomas Aquinas' own proofs are going to do in the next article, then we're going to have a real problem because the effects themselves are finite. They are limited. But we're talking about something that is infinite, that surpasses them, that transcends them in ways that perhaps, you know, we, we can't even conceive of. We not only can say God is infinite, maybe he's infinitely infinite, right? In, in a way that we can't even understand the infinite. So what this means is that the effects are incommensurate. They don't share a common measure with their cause. So he says, since effects incommensurate with their cause cannot make it evident, it does not seem possible to demonstrate that God exists. So if these objections were going to hold, then it doesn't mean that we can't say that God exists. But if we do want to say that God exists, we have to take it as a matter of faith and not screw that faith up by bringing reason in or argumentation or any, any sort of thing along those lines. And there are many people, as I pointed out, who do view things that way, even in the present. Now, there's a longstanding tradition within... Christianity and many other religions, but within Christianity specifically, that is actually based in scripture. So the, the faith only, even scripture only people have to deal with this. That says, no, as a matter of fact, we can know that God exists precisely by using our rational capacities and looking at the world. And here again, Thomas Aquinas cites St. Paul. He says, St. Paul tells us that the hidden things of God can be clearly understood from the things that he has made. So this is another way of looking at it. If so, one must be able to demonstrate that God exists from the things that God has made for knowing whether a thing exists is the first step towards understanding it. And, you know, St. Paul also talks about other things, you know, the law within the, the heart even of the pagans. There's, there's a lot of discussions of this, even within scripture, and then within the tradition, saying that, no, the human rational mind can, in fact, grasp that God exists and demonstrate it to itself and demonstrate it to other people. So we've got two sides to the story, you could say. 
Thomas is going to introduce yet a third side, a, a middle ground. And here, as so often, he will make a distinction that helps his position along. He says there's a distinction between different kinds of demonstrations. There's demonstrating that something is the case, demonstratio quia, and then there's demonstration of the why, the propter quid for the thing. And in these cases, we have a different ordering between the cause and the effect. So when it comes to many things, things of the world, we can in fact have great demonstrations or arguments, however you want to talk about them, where we do in fact understand the cause and we reason from the cause to the effects. You know, for example, we might think of if I shoot somebody and I, I strike them in the heart, there's a really great chance that they're going to die because of that. Now, there are exceptions. Of course, people have been shot in the heart and survived, but let's just say that it was 100% certain. We understand the ballistic we understand the chemistry of the gun. We understand how all this sort of thing works together. We understand how the human body can be susceptible to trauma. So I say, if I do this, this is going to happen. We know the cause. We can therefore know the effect. Now, all of these sort of objections have shown us that we don't really know that much about God. So we can't have that sort of demonstration, a demonstration propter quid, where we go from the cause and then reason to the effect. But that doesn't preclude us from going the other way around, having a demonstration quia, a demonstration that. He says that this follows the order in which we know things, arguing from effect to cause. For when an effect is more apparent to us than its cause, we come to know the cause through the effect. We know the cause through what it, it does. Now, he says that any effect of a cause does show us one thing, even if we don't understand the cause very well. It shows to us that the cause exists, right? Because we don't think that things just happen willy-nilly with no sort of cause, no sort of explanation, even if we don't understand the explanation for why that thing or event or happening came to pass. So we look around at the, the things of the world and we look at the world itself, or we might look within at human nature, and we can say those are effects that we can trace to a cause in some way. So Thomas says this will allow us to demonstrate that God exists. And he goes back and, and discusses each of these objections and what they have to say in turn. The first one, he says that the truths about God, which St. Paul says we can know by our natural powers of reasoning, per rationum naturalum, that God exists, for example, are not actually among the articles of faith. They're not things that you have to believe by faith, although there's nothing preventing you from doing that, Thomas says. Rather, they are, this translation has presupposed to them, but the, the Latin is actually preambula ad articulos. They are the preambles to the articles. And so even if you think that a lot of things do have to be known by faith, which Thomas does, God's existence is not one of them. He says, of course, if somebody can't grasp the demonstration, it's fine for them to believe it by faith. But of course, they're not really using their rational faculties uh, to the highest power. And the fact that they're not able to shouldn't preclude others from, from doing so. When it comes to the second, the notion that we need to be able to say what something is, we need to be able to define it in order to make an argument that has it as, as a part of the argument. Thomas says we've got a shortcut around that or a substitute rather. The substitute is, he says, when we argue from effect to cause, the effect takes the place of a definition 
of the cause in the proof that the cause exists. Now, it doesn't work for other things, Thomas would say, necessarily, but it does show you that there has to be the cause. The cause has to exist, otherwise you don't get the effect at all. I should also mention too that with the first thing, Thomas has this famous statement where he says that the faith presupposes natural knowledge just as grace presupposes nature or the perfectioning, right, presupposes the perfectible. So all perfections, that which they perfect. And that's, that's important. These are not diametrically opposed to each other. And we can say there's something similar here. The fact that you can substitute an effect doesn't mean that you couldn't have definitions later when you've got a better picture of things. Finally, the incommensurability, right? Is that really such a handicap? Thomas says, well, effects can give us comprehensive knowledge of their cause only when they're commensurate with it. That he grants, right? So we can't fully know what God is by looking at the effects that are just some sort of dim reflection of that cause. However, he says, if we're talking about the existence of the cause, that's not really a problem says, God's effects can serve to demonstrate that God exists, even though they cannot help us to know him comprehensively in terms of what God actually is. So Thomas argues, to bring this to a close, that we can, in fact, rationally demonstrate that God exists. And here he's attacking critics who want to say, no, 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 it has to be a matter of faith or our capacities are not up to it. And he does so by making a very important distinction. And the other really important distinction you could say he's making here is saying, listen, all these other things, yes, we may not be able to know fully what God is. We may not be able to know this about God, but God's existence, we can at least know that, according to Thomas. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.